Welcome back to the second episode. My name is Lloyd and I'm going to talk in a, about the second coming of Christ. Very important subject. It will be done in a form of question and answer. My daughter will be asking me the question and I will be trying to provide answers from the Bible. Hello everyone, my name is Lois and we're also joined by a special guest, I guess a live studio audience with my rabbit Cinnabon today. So Dad, how has your week been so far? My week was a very trying one, you know. Why it's so difficult, you know, at work is that we have a lockdown situation due yeah. to the pandemic. And so my two workers, you know, two ladies that I work with, my work colleagues, they are not at work sometimes. Most time they're at home, working from home. Mm -hmm. So they leave all the work and we so everything they have to call me Lloyd. What about so and so? Because I work in the care home, you know, where I am not actually caring for them as such, but we do the office work for them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to check them every morning to see if they're okay. Sometimes when you call them, you cannot find them. They probably have probably gone home. But our duty is to go into the home and check them to see if they die inside or they heal or whatever happened, you know. So why I say all of this is that they put a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. My two colleagues sitting at home enjoying <laughs> life and I'm at work. Lord, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Because afraid to catch Corona. Corona. <laughs> I catch it already, so, so it seems like it's alright with me. <laughs> so that's my week really. And then apart from doing the job, I have to do my work too. I think a lot of us have like having to adjust to remote work. It, like I just finished my course and doing remote work it was so hard and some people are in London some people are out of London and I was the main person in London so I was responsible for so many mm. so many things yeah because you just complete your um UCL university course yeah and thank god you have been um awarded a certificate well, the certificate hasn't come yet, but it's it's all finished now. It's thank, all finished. Thank and God. On top of that, you're looking at a, a job because you have been studying from your you was about three years old. Yeah. And now you need a job. <laughs> you need some money. It's so, been a lot because. Like, I've obviously, I did the university for a bachelor's and then I went back for the master's and you see all your friends with, with jobs yeah. and then you're just the, the poor student. Oh, you just studied? <laughs> for so long. Yeah. But finally, this week, because I was praying and praying for a job and I got a good job, a job of my dreams, actually. Yes. And so this has been such a blessed week. And I think as well, like somehow I knew that God had this job for me because I was praying and some people don't know but I do suffer from generalized anxiety disorder so they told me on Friday that they'll call me on Tuesday and tell me whether or not I was successful so on Monday I went out I bought a whole bunch of snacks and um like drinks, flowers. flowers, like I love plants. I got got myself some plants to calm me down. 
and I was telling myself like oh with my anxiety I'm not going to be able to sleep I'm going to set up the whole of like Monday night and I'm just going to be awake forever and then I had all my snacks ready to watch like a whole bunch of movies and not go to bed and then I just felt like peace like usually with things like this my anxiety I'll be awake panicking you know no sleep no rest but it's like God was just telling me like go to sleep you're going to be fine (laughs) it's all fine it was a bit doubtful regarding getting that job because I remember you said no, that I don't think I have the experience. I'm not experienced enough for the people are there who apply for it have more experience than you. And yeah, I think you did say about 700 people apply for the job, yeah. over 700 people. And I said to you, you're going to get that job, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah. Uh, I was very positive. I prayed to the Lord, but the Lord did not answer me. In the affirmative, he answered me in the affirmative regarding the course that you're going to get, get a good mark, but not a job. I have to go by faith and faith alone. Yeah, I was really running on running on faith, like the whole like um the like long Easter weekend. I was just running on faith. I was like, God, I'm good. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm like so. I don't feel qualified for this position, but thank God. So yeah, how was your week, Cinnabon? <laughs> how have you Cinnabon been? Cinnabon <laughs> has a few things eating and, you know, enjoying himself. You know, very lovely rabbit. He's a very, you know, not aggressive. He's so humble. Yeah. You know, you can hold him in your hand. You can carry him all about the place. And he just mellow. Yeah. You really thank God for pets and animals yes, and plants. Yes, calm you down. It's really such a comfort. But yeah. now as another like I guess comforting topic, we're gonna go into the main subject of today's um podcast, which is the um second coming of Christ. The first question is does the Bible teach that Christ will return for a second time? Yes, of course, the Bible does teach that. Um, the first text that I want to use to answer that question is Hebrew chapter 9, verse 28. And I will read, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And the other um, text of scripture is found in St. John 14, verse 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that there I am, there he may be also. From these verses of scripture, I believe it is a good answer to the first question. I think it does answer the first question, because 
I think some people don't believe that God's going to come back. I think I've heard even on social media that like this, like God or like some people say the universe that's governing us is this is like our ultimate, you know, the earth that we're living in now. There's no heaven. There's no hell. This is all that there is. A lot of people have, I guess the word may be like, like disappointed or I I don't know, like, they don't have, like, a faith that God would come back for them. And I think maybe these texts might give some people hope that God will be returning. Of course. I I believe so. I believe that these texts give us great assurance that Christ will return one day. You see, because he has given us so many signs to look forward to, we have great assurance that one day he will fulfill what he has promised to us. Yeah, and if any of you guys want to hear about um, those signs of the end of the world and God's second coming, we did address that in our first episode, so you can go back and listen to the first episode. So the second question is, um, is there any scripture to prove that Christ went back to heaven? Because that is another conspiracy that I've heard that, you know, Jesus was just the man. Or have you heard that some people say that Jesus was just the famous cult leader? Yes, that, I that. Yeah, that he was just on earth and he just led a very, um, I guess, popular cult <laughs> that people are still... Yeah, um, was a great, this popular leader that could influence and draw a big crowd yeah. because of its magical you know, influence, performing miracles and so forth. Yeah, he's like one of the, you know, the cults, they say they have a charismatic leader that draws people in. But at the same time, he only had 12 followers. (laughs) And if we look at some of the massive cults that have arisen, um, I was watching a documentary on Jonestown. These people have a little bit more than 12 followers. He wasn't the most popular person. No. Yes, um, the question is such an interesting question. Uh, I'm going to look at Hebrew 9 verse 24 to see if I can address this question. For It says here, For Christ is not entered, entered into the holy place made with hands, which are a figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And we... Read in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through to 11. And while he was with his disciples, this actually took place. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why standing he gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. So this was the assurance given by the angel. Well, we assume that those two men that stood there in white apparel was angels, and they gave the disciples assurance because they were transfixed 
looking up into oh, heaven. The Cinnabon just did a massive flop. Yes, <laughs> he's then trying to study. <laughs> he's very happy. <laughs> he's very happy indeed. Yes, so we are saying here that great assurance was given because the disciples actually saw him going up into heaven. They were actually transfixed. They couldn't take him, their eyes off him. They were even surprised that he left out of their company like that. I think if you saw like someone going up, ascending, I, I think it's a reasonable response not to be able to take your eyes off of them. Yes, because it's an amazing miracle to see a man going up into the sky like that, escorting by white clouds, you know, which later on realized it was angel escorting him into heaven. I think sometimes I do pride myself on having a pretty good imagination, but even though I've seen a lot of movies with that like um part where you see Jesus rising up, I still don't have a good like imagination of what that must have actually been like to be there and see something like that because that's so like obviously is God so everything he does is nat- nat- natural and he's the creator of nature but for our day-to-day what we see that's so beyond the bounds of anything we're we're living in a technological age where people can create scenes you know like that to show a man going up into the sky but in those days the disciples didn't have a mobile phone (laughs) they didn't have a sky television they didn't have these technologies so they saw jesus escorted into heaven and they were there looking up not yeah. knowing what to believe or to say. I would like to go back to the first text in Hebrews nine verse twenty four. Yeah. When it says for Christ is not entered into the holy place um, made with hands, is that referring to um when the Jews had their um the their temples and they had um a holy place yeah. and then the most holy, most place. holy place. So is that saying that you know, to the he people didn't enter there, yeah, but heaven itself, heaven itself, yes. So you see, these texts of scripture confirm beyond a shadow of doubt that Christ actually entered heaven. Okay, this is a good question, <laughs> and I have heard this. I've seen people say, you know, in memes on Facebook, why would Christ want to come back to a sinful world <laughs> anyway? Yes, you know, it amazed me that God so loves us that he wants to come back here to save us out of this sin crisis. You know, the world is so corrupt. And sometimes you look at yourself and the things that you've done and said, and you're like, does God really love me? Yes, but we believe in the absolute, you know, assurance of the Word of God, the Bible, you know, and this text in First uh, Thessalonians 4 verse 15 through 17 is a very comforting scripture. I'm going to read it. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of our Lord shall not prevent them that are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to 
together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I would go on to the next um, scripture. This is found in First um, Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verse 51 through to 54. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead will, will be raised incorruptible, and ye shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, incorruption, sorry, and this mortal must be put on immortality. Then shall we brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So with these um, verses of scripture, it shows that Christ is so interested in us that he will come back one day to, to save us out of this sin curse you know, situation. Yeah, and I think that question is like at the core of it is does God really love us and um John three sixteen is always the text that I go to when sometimes you feel doubtful. Because we all do feel doubt of the people in our life and God if they do care about us from time to time. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So from the question, why would Christ want to come back? It's love. And it's such a deep love <laughs> that I could never understand it. <laughs> it's such a deep love that caused the father to sacrifice his only son. And I just love the part where in um, Corinthians, where it says, um, this mortal shall put on immortality. I just think that part is so cool. <laughs> like all of the movies when they have like supernatural, like superhero characters, I just feel like oh, we're all gonna be transformed into like our real super super selves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know what amazed me regarding these texts. It shows that God so loved us. He could have, you know, destroyed this hurt, you know, all the people, because we are sinful, we are so corrupt, and then recreate some new people. Yeah. God, you know, there's nothing impossible with God. He could create some new people, isn't it? And replace us. <laughs> but he said, well, let me give them a little chance. It's yeah. true. And when you love someone, they are irreplaceable. You can't just, well, you know, I'm just going to have a new new child now. <laughs> but like my my rabbits, nothing can replace them. And God, he can't, when you really love someone, you can't just, well, I'm, they did something wrong. Now let me just... <laughs> you just wipe them off and get a new rabbit. Get a new rabbit. No, you see, look at Peter. He was... Like the right hand man for Christ when he was here, he was he was a, a, a great speaker, but yet he was a sinner, isn't it? Yeah. And he, he denied Jesus when they crucified him. When they asked him, "Do you know this man?" He said, "No," and he swears that, that he didn't know him. But yet later on he repented. Oh, good Christ! In His love and mercy, forget Peter. <laughs> <laughs> we spent so much good time with. 
John and all these disciples. So God so loved us that he wanted to save us. That's the reason why he's coming back for uh, these sinful creatures that he has created who has made a calling and election sure. Okay. So what would happen to those who did not make their calling and election sure? Uh, this is very unfortunate, really, because, you know, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, but whosoever believeth in him should not perish. They will have eternal life. Yeah. But those who be don't believe, what will happen to them? I think the concept of, I guess, not believing or not, what's the word, like, not, like, there is not a, an end like there's not an end game there's no punishment that has been propagated a lot throughout the world and some people do believe that well when we if we have a hell then you know god's evil because there is a lot of like misinformation when it comes to like the like heaven and hell yeah through movies, through early Catholicism, I think when you think back to um early art like artwork of you know hell where it's um a guy with horns you know with a pitchfork poking yeah. <laughs> poking at sinners for all of eternity, but I think in the Bible it does give us yeah I'm gonna read a text of scripture found in Revelation. Chapter 6, verse 15 and 16, you know. Uh, it's hard to read these texts because we wish that everyone will be saved. But listen to this. And the kings of the hurt, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captain, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens of the rocks and the mountain, and said unto the mountain, and the rocks fall on us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The consequence of not accepting Jesus Christ as a personal Savior would be a hard one for sinners. And so I'm appealing to those who are listening to us that to get yourself right with Jesus because he will be certainly coming back to this earth and will come in for those who make the call in an election, sure. Yeah, and there's the the idea that if, because we were just talking about the awesome love of God, well, doesn't God, you know, love all of us? Why would he destroy what he loves? But when things are so awful and they go beyond a certain point, and we have this message that God does love us and that God wants us to be our best selves and we continue to reject that. If you continue to reject something, like if I give you, you know, something, a gift, and you continue to reject it and continue to reject it, you can't be upset when I just say, well, I, I can't give you this anymore because you, you clearly don't want it. Yeah. And it's it's a sad fate, and for like what will happen. But we do have all of this assurance in God that 
if we do love him, he will reward us and reward our love and our belief in him. We believe that God is merciful yeah. and he has extended grace and mercy to all human beings. And he, he, he desired that all of us should be saved. Not, he's not willing that any of us should perish, but all should come to repentance. But he cannot save you be, uh, against your will. Yeah. If your will is not to serve him and to surrender your life to him, he will not be able to save you. You're the one who make yourself lost. It's not God. You yeah. cannot blame God at the end of the day. Yeah, when it's your own doing. doing. And I think a lot of people struggle with the concept of hell because it does sound like a lot of the movies, as I said, early Catholicism does make it sound so like God's, God's a monster. And it really does portray him like mm. that because it's i know a lot of people believe that hell is something that burns forever and ever and people are mm. continually being burnt but that's not what the bible says and we will have upcoming episodes going deeper into that topic and showing what the bible has to say versus a lot of the um ideas that's in the media and in um i guess popular consciousness about hell and how awful it is yeah because the bible does say that you are punished according to what you did so if the idea that people put out there that hell's a fire that burns forever and ever so if someone that you know did a small sin and never repented is burning at the same you know rate as hitler you know that can never be a loving god but we will go into that deeper in a never episode yeah Yes, just a, another point here. You know, God has given every individual a chance to live for him, to accept him. And so, if they harden their heart, remember Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, and he preached the gospel and he sent his disciples all over the world to preach the good news of salvation. He also sent his Holy Spirit. You know, this is God spirit and hurt that plea with human beings you know he said today if you hear his voice harden at your heart so the only even if somebody does not speak to you direct the holy spirit does speak to you yeah and so you've got to listen to the voice of the holy spirit so that um he can come in and give you instruction as to how you can live for god and so that you will not loss and face the consequence of hellfire, so to speak. Okay. Is there any secret about Christ coming? Um, no, you know, but let's read the text. Because to say no, many people will be convinced by my answer. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, he said here, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and all high shall see him, and they which pierce him, and all the kindreds of the herd shall wail because of him. That is one text. There are many more, but just to read a few more, yeah? Yeah. In Matthew 24, verse 26 and 27, it says, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert place, go not forth. 
Viola is in a secret chamber, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even on the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So from this scripture, the answer is no, there's no secret because if the lightning is going to shine from the east to the west, just look at the lightning, you know, for example. There's no secret about it, you know, from the east to the west. So Christ coming, our second return, wouldn't be a secret. I know a lot of people have the belief that there's going to be like a secret rapture. <laughs> where we all get taken and you know some you'll be on the bus i've had friends tell me like oh we'll be on the bus and i'll look behind you'll look behind me and i'll be gone because god was just gonna rapture me away and the thing i have to say about that i don't think the term rapture even appears in the bible why would god make his coming this is like the finale like the end event of the world this is what yeah. it's all been building up to why would that be a secret <laughs> Yes, you know, this is something that baffles me with some Christian belief. Not that I'm knocking a different denomination. Yeah, their or their sincerity. Their, their sincerity. But if Christ is coming back secretly, then nobody will you know, see when he comes back. Yeah, what's the point what's of, the point? Him, of him coming? Like when you watch, you know, a good movie and then there's the, you know, epic finale scene. Like that's a, it's a huge thing. And, you know, when the heroes come down and everything, <laughs> no one's coming off like, you know, Superman. He doesn't come in like a little secret. Like they fly in and everyone can see them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it a bird? Is it a plane? Like, no, it's, it's the, the superhero. Why would they he come in? All, all stealthy. He's yeah. coming to for let everybody know that he's here, and this is what our life on Earth has been building up to. I know sometimes through the like mundane task that we have, our sometimes our, we lose focus of the fact that it's all building up to Christ coming back. This is what it's all about, but it is what it's all about, and. <laughs> that fact should let us know in itself that God's not going to come back in secret along with these texts like from like the lightning wherever you know you are on this earth he's coming in the clouds and all eyes are going to see him oh, everyone see. everyone and billions of people will be alive because we have 7 billion people in the world and if we the world continue like this for um say next 50 years how many billion people will be on the planet there's a lot of people so yeah. all eyes shall see him there's no secret about christ coming according to the scripture we don't see any scripture that suggests even suggests that christ coming is a secret yeah i've never seen any scripture like I that i think a lot of people get confused where they um the text that says he'll come like a thief, thief in, in, the in, in the night but I think if you read that text in the context that it is, if I can bring it up, it doesn't suggest that he's going to come like like he's stealthy because there's so many texts that contradict that. Yeah. It's more like if you're not prepared, it's going to be a shock. To you, because just like a thief surprising a night, you don't expect a thief to come. You don't know the time when a thief will 
you know, invade your premises, to break in and steal your things. Yeah. If you didn't know, you would be out there looking out for him. Yeah, and yeah. that's the point of that text, is to stay prepared. And as I said, we do have a previous episode about um, the signs that we can all look out for. So we are not going to be caught as, you know... We're, as God coming as a thief in the night, we're not going to be surprised because we're going to know what to look for. So I do encourage you, if you're interested, to listen to the first episode. So next question is, it's over 2,000 years now since Christ went away. Why has he not kept his promise? I think this is a good question. I've seen people ask this when they say, like, but why hasn't he come back yet? Like, I think some of the apostles, they thought that he was just going to go away and next week (laughs) he's going to come back. (laughs) We'll see him in, you know, a couple days' time. Yeah. Some of the early Christian taught that too. But Christ in Matthew 24 gave them a lot of prophecies that will be fulfilling yeah. throughout the centuries, right? That's what we look at. at, at uh, yeah, in the, the, first episode. the first episode. You know, the signs of the time. So he could not come back without these signs being fulfilled. Yeah. So therefore, that is one way of answering the question. But let's look at what Peter has to say here. Second Peter 3 and verse 3, we go through to 9. We're going to read quite a few of these verses. Those who have the Bible can just follow, you know? Yeah, and if you don't own a Bible, that's okay. You can always go online and follow along with us. You can type in, um, like, the Bible into Google. Yeah. You see, the, this, the skeptic would want us to believe that Christ has not kept his promise. Yeah. Because nearly 2,000 years has passed. Peter um, 3, verse 3 to 9, yeah? Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? From since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and they heard standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perish. But the heaven and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in in store, reserved unto the, unto fire. The day, the day of judgment of perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but his long-suffering to us ward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, verse 10, and the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the hurt also and the work that are therein shall be burnt up. 
Let's comment on these verses. You see, some people misunderstand when you say that day with the Lord is as one thousand year, or a thousand year is a day. You see, God does. We can't judge God by time. Time is for human beings. A thousand year to God is no nothing. It's like an evening pass. You understand me? And so, because two thousand year has passed, they think. The skeptic believe that you know Christ has not kept his promise. That to God is a studio pass. You yeah. know, God is so you know, um he is he, omnipresent, yeah. omniscient, he's God Almighty. He created the concept of time. Of time. So that doesn't mean anything to God. God kept he's gonna kept his promise according to Peter. You see is referring back to the flood. Yeah. The people there believe that they have so much time. God has given them 120 years. And they were there and Peter and, and they was preaching that God is gonna destroy the world by a flood. They didn't believe until Noah stepped into the ark. And all of them perished in the flood. Yeah. But Could... as Peter said, God's not willing that any should perish. Let's Stick a point here. Let's say um, Christ has come 50 years ago. Where would you be? Not here. You would not exist. <laughs> you would never born. So you have no chance whatsoever. So I'm grateful for God has extended his love and his salvation, you know, to Adam's last generation, isn't it? Yeah. And he says God doesn't slack concerning, concerning his promise. As mm, uh, some men call slackness. You see, what Peter is actually saying, you know, you will make a promise to me as my daughter mm. that you're going to give me a thousand pound. <laughs> Only time come, I can't find you. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah, I'm counting that a thousand pound, you know, <laughs> to do something important. And when I realize you don't turn up with the money, but if God promised you a thousand pound, bet your life yeah. you will get your money. That's right. Yes, indeed. I just want to make it clear that I have not made any such promises. <laughs> well, you got to give me a thousand pounds, you know, <laughs> no. even though you don't make the promise. <laughs> yes, so... I think because, as you say, we have our own concepts of time and space and all, you know, the dimensions that we have, and it's not easy for us to fathom that God exists, like you know, outside and inside and everywhere through everything, every all these concepts of time and space and dimension that we have. He's he's everything, and he's the creator of all things. Yeah. So when we think, oh, it's been so long, it it really hasn't been for him, and also it can get a bit like dis like the idea of like being disappointed. That is, um, idea has been repeated for a lot of people. You know, when people come up with their predictions, like God's going to come today or he's going to come now or, you know, but we can't hold God to our times and our standards and our impatience. No. He's, he does things on his time and because he's cre he's the creator of time, he's always going to be on time. Yeah. <laughs> so. When the Messiah arrives... Two thousand years ago, they expect the Messiah to come a long time. Why well, took God four thousand years, approximately 
4,000 years before Jesus, the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, fulfilled all the prophecy, all that was spoken of about him, he fulfilled it. Yeah, and so he promised us, he came here and he promised us that one day we'll return. And so 2,000 years has passed. But is the generation better? Are we looking for him to come? Yeah. But you see, the assurance is that if we die, we die in Christ. And so he can resurrect us at his second coming. So we don't have to fear about dying. Yes, we actually come to the end of this session. This segment. This segment. Yeah, we're going to go into talking about, I think, because um, we've been talking so much about the like God's second coming and God's love. I think we want to talk about like some personal testimonies now. Okay, I have a testimony here, you know, and I don't think I, I have actually shared this testimony before. So, actually written it in some way because I can't remember everything, you know, off the top of my head. So, I'll be reading most of it. It was in the year 1976 when I became curious of a large crowd of people congregating in a large tent on a cricket ground, distance away from the main road. And to set the scene, let's just, um, if any of you don't know, my dad was born and grew up in Jamaica. I didn't want to let <laughs> that secret. <laughs> it's not a secret. So I went to inquire, but I could not hear or see exactly what was going on there. I understand that the following days, it would still be there. So I decided if I'm not working the next day, I will be turned up early. So I went. While there, I heard gospel music playing that directly appealed to me. I can remember part of the song. It says, turn around, turn around from wasted ears. God is calling you. When I considered the message of the song, I said, it is, it is, my life it is talking about because as a young man i'm a gambler i'm a alcoholic smoker and you name it that particular evening i saw the church folks involved in all kind of spiritual activity such as singing praying preaching etc it was an amazing experience for me that night i went away feeling that this is heaven and hurt. I found myself attending night after night, but yet I did not understand what the preacher was preaching about until one night the preacher was focusing on prophecy. He was presenting the four empires through the book of Daniel, chapter 2. There were Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, and Rome. This message gripped my attention and absorbed my interest because I have read about them in secular history. And I said to myself, I did not know that they were predicted long before they came to be. This is amazing. The Bible must be true. God must be in control. From that night, that message leave a lasting impression on me. 
that lead led me rather to my conviction through the influence of the Holy Spirit. I continued to attend the meetings until one night the preacher made a call for us to accept Jesus as our personal Savior. To indicate by walking up the hills to where he was. I was the first person to reach up there. How it happened, I can't explain, because I'm a very timid person. I'm afraid to be identified up front. That night I was overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit, and I sealed my decision to go all the way with Jesus. Friends, I do not know at the time what the future hold for me, but what I do know, I have made up my mind to go all the way with Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. It was a difficult decision to make because I was involved in marijuana, smoking, alcoholic, drinking, gambling, and other things that I cannot mention here. What I want to say here is that the Lord was gracious unto me. He has transformed my life with a short, in a short space of time. He has converted me completely. As the verse in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is what actually this is what I actually experienced. At the time when I became a Christian, I was very sick with a certain type of cancer. Over time, this illness would have killed me. So I kept on praying and begging the Lord to give me another year because I did not know any better. Eventually, the Lord healed me from that dreadful disease. I was unaware that the Lord actually healed me until I checked with the doctor. When I found out, I was extremely grateful. When I became an official member of the church, I realized that I am not just there to sing and pray and to listen to sermons only. There is work for me to do. I immediately found myself sharing my experience with my friends and neighbors. I was also recruited in the church hostels campaigns and I was appointed teacher and later I became a preacher. How I became a lay preacher, it's an amazing experience. It all happened one day while in church, sitting down enjoying the service and anticipating a good sermon from the preacher at the Divine Hour. Then one of the deacons came to me and said that pastor, the pastor nor the elder have not turned up and they are asking me to preach the sermon for the divine hour. When I look on my watch, it was five minutes twelve. I said to them, how can I, how can I, when I have not got a sermon prepared, and I'm not a preacher. The deacon insists because they, they say they have no, no preacher. It was almost 12 noon. 
and divine service start at midday every week. I said to them, please pray for me because I'm going to preach without a prepared sermon. The church was filled to capacity with a number of outstanding guests, such as the MP for the area, and, it, and the Church of Christ minister was in attendance. The sermon that was delivered that day was directly by the Lord. From that time onwards, they recognized me as a lay preacher, and so everywhere I go, they wanted me to preach. My Christian journey, my friend, is one of joy and happiness and difficulties, trials and tribulation and great challenge. Of all that I have been through, if I lost out on my salvation when Jesus comes the second time, all what I have accomplished would be in vain. I want to make my calling and election sure. As my journey continues, there is much more I could say, but I will conclude here with a quotation. We have nothing to fear for the future, except we forget the leading of the Lord in our past experience. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Sometimes it can be hard to, you know, share personal experiences. Very difficult for me to put that together. <laughs> but I think if any anyone wants to share their personal testimonies with us, um, as we say, we do have social media. Um, we are on Instagram at um, signs of the times underscore podcast that you can follow for updates, and we also share like little stories throughout the week and pictures of our plants and our pets. And we also have a Facebook page as well, which is, yeah, Signs of the Times. And we also have our email, which is signsofthetimespodcast at gmail.com. So we'd love to hear any of your stories. And also we did touch on a few heavy topics today. Of course, the second coming of Christ, but we also touched on the idea of hell and heaven and the idea of the rapture. So if anyone has any questions, we'll be happy to answer them. Maybe if they're um, a very deep question, we can include it in a future episode and really go into it. Because sometimes, you know, some of these topics could be so huge and we're always happy to answer questions. Thank you for listening.